Hello everyone and welcome or welcome back to Scottish and Scared. I'm Stephanie and I will be telling you some strange and unusual tales from the place I call home, Scotland. Before we get into it, I would like to ask everyone listening to send in their strange or unusual experiences. They do not have to have taken place in Scotland or even relate to it. If you have any requests for future episodes or you just fancy a wee gab, then please do not hesitate to get in touch. You can send us an email at scottishandscared at gmail.com and you can also follow us on Instagram at scottishandscaredpod. Lastly, if you wouldn't mind, please rate, review and share the show wherever you may be listening to it. It really helps us out a bunch and a massive thank you to everyone who already has. Hello, hiya, how are we all doing? I hope everyone has had a good week. If you're listening the same day that this is released... I will have been to Disney and I will have been in Orlando for a week already and rode all the rides I'm about to talk about. But did I survive? Maybe not. Maybe I'm talking to you from beyond the grave. Stay tuned to see if I release next week's episode. But yeah, people, I have been in Orlando for two weeks now. I will be on my way home as you are listening to this and I'm sure that I had a fantastic time. Today, I'm going to be talking about Disney once again, but this time I'm going to be talking about something a wee bit more serious. There is a trigger warning for this episode, it will contain discussions of death, the death of children, ride malfunctions, detailed bodily injury and suicide, so if any of those things bother you, you should probably give this one a miss and just wait till next week. So I'm not going to talk about every single incident because I would be here forever, trust me there is so many deaths at this at these parks it is unbelievable but I kind of just went through the list that I had and I chose the ones that stood out to me most of these have taken place at either Disneyland Anaheim in California or Disney World in Orlando Florida I am going to start with California first so let's just get into it there's no point in beating it in the bush on May 1964, a 15-year-old Mark Maples got in line to ride the Matterhorn at Disneyland Anaheim with his two friends. The park was coming to a close and they wanted one last ride of the park's most popular thrill ride. The three boys finally boarded the ride with Maples sitting in the middle with one of his friends in front and the other behind him. The ride took off and if you've ever been on the ride, it is a very fast ride, the premise being that you're in a bobsled making your way down a mountain. Now, during the descent, the friend sitting behind Maples said that he felt him bump into him. Obviously confused by this, he looked in front of him and seen Maples hanging out of the side of the ride. He then fell from the carriage, falling one foot down, landing beside the tracks, where he was then hit by an oncoming carriage that was travelling 20 miles per hour. The ride was stopped and the paramedics rushed the scene, taking Maples to a nearby hospital. He was unconscious on arrival and was treated for severe head trauma. They had him on a ventilator, but sadly, he died four days later, never regaining consciousness. Now, here's where I start to get a wee bit annoyed, um, and this will be a kind of recurring theme throughout the episode. Uh, The park claimed that Maples had unbuckled his seatbelt and stood up on the ride, which was what caused him to fall and essentially causing his death. So they blamed the victim. Now there was no CCTV on the ride, there was no cameras, there was none of that. So they actually didn't know what had happened, they were just speculating at that. But they even went as far as slandering him in the media. They were branding him like this youth who was just out for a thrill ride, he was just this daredevil youth. Um, And when Maple's friends were actually questioned about the incident, they said that it was far too dark to see exactly what happened but that it looked like his seatbelt wasn't on and that he fell. 
He never attempted to stand up, he just fell. The girls who were in the carriage behind them were also questioned and said the exact same thing. But due to their ages, they weren't taken seriously. Which makes no sense to me, but, you know, whatever. A full investigation was done and it was eventually ruled accidental by the Anaheim police chief and his death was the first recorded in the park's history. But it wasn't the last fatal accident on the Matterhorn, unfortunately. In January 1984, 48-year-old Dolly Regina Young was visiting the park with a group of her friends from Arizona. They got in line for the Matterhorn at midday and were excited to ride it. When they got into their carriage, Young sat in the back seat of the bobsled and off it went. Nobody actually knows what happened after the carriage took off, but several witnesses came forward and they kind of pieced it together from there. At the time, there was another ride operating in the park called the Skyway Gondola, and this is where guests could sit in a carriage and they would be carried through a hole in the mountain of the Matterhorn ride. At the time of the accident, a family were passing by on the Skyway gondola and one of the teenage daughters in the carriage claims to have seen Young claims to have seen Young fall from the ride and claimed she's seen a woman bouncing on her back on the tracks. She also said it looked as though the woman was trying to get to her feet, but before she could get up, the next ride carriage came towards her and hit her in the head and torso, killing her instantly and dragging her body which shut off the ride. The family who were in the ride carriage that hit Young thought that the woman's body was a ride prop, but as they got closer, they quickly realised it was an actual human being and obviously all panicked and braced themselves because there was absolutely nothing that they could do to save her. One of the ride operators heard the screaming from from other horrified guests and ran to the scene to see what was going on. And while he ran back down to grab help, he told the other cast members not to look at her body. Not long after that, The paramedics and the police arrived, but there was nothing that they could do to save Young and she was pronounced dead. An investigation into her death was done where foul play and suicide were very quickly ruled out and they looked into the ride mechanics, more specifically the seatbelt, which if you remember, seemed to be involved in Maple's death as well. Young's seatbelt was open and sitting on the carriage seat, which meant she either took it off herself or she never put it on in the first place. But as Disney officials stated, there was no way that Young left the loading bay without that seatbelt being fastened due to safety protocols, once again blaming the victim. To add insult to injury, the ride was up and running again first thing the following day. The park claimed a full investigation had been done and that no ride ride malfunctions had been found, so why shouldn't they have the ride in operation? What I find really disgusting personally is that they actually had the, the actual bobsled that she fell out of they had that in operation as well as the bobsled that her which i just think is fucking so disrespectful they did revise the seatbelt mechanics and change them out for a much safer option but they claim this had absolutely nothing to do with the accident and was just completely coincidental of course it was young's husband did file a lawsuit for five million for wrongful death against disney and they did settle out of court the people that seen that like that must traumatize you like really fully traumatise you not to make it about me or anything but I was witness to a pretty crazy accident um, that happened here in Glasgow um, a while ago yeah it happened just outside my workplace and I seen things that just completely traumatised me like I couldn't get the images of it out of my head 
and I had to go to therapy and stuff to see something like that at a theme park where you're supposed to be there with your kids enjoying yourself and that must be so traumatising and obviously dying at a theme park like you go there to have fun and have a good time with your friends and family and for something so tragic like that to happen it must just be so awful. In the summer of 1973 an 18 year old Bogdan Dillerot I don't know if I'm pronouncing that surname correctly if I'm not I apologise and his 10-year-old brother Dorian were visiting the park from Brooklyn. They took the boat to Tom Sawyer's, Tom Sawyer's Island just before the attraction was due to close and thought it would be a good idea to find somewhere to hide and stay after hours. They managed to find an off-limits staff area and they hid out there. When the last guests and staff members left the island on the boat and crossed the river, the two brothers came out from their hiding spot and obviously thought that they had just pulled off the greatest stunt of all time. But as you can imagine, the novelty began to wear off and they eventually wanted to leave for fear of getting in trouble. But the only way for them to get back was by boat or swim. The boat wasn't going to be in operation until the following morning and the issue with swimming was that Dorian actually couldn't swim. To overcome this problem, Bogdan told Dorian he would carry him on his back and everything would be fine. Now in theory, this could have worked had they been in a real river. But the rivers of America, which is with the body of water between Tom Sawyer's Island and the main park, that's what it's called, it's called Rivers of America, which change it because that is a horrendous name. Um, It's a man-made river, so it's, people don't know how deep it is. There's several different mechanics operating like below the surface to kind of give it the impression of real rippling water. So there's a lot of things going on there, it's not just a river. But when Bogdan got into the water, he did manage to get halfway across when the weight of his brother began to force him down and unable to keep his head above the water, he slipped away and he drowned. Dorian, however, managed to doggy paddle to the other side and grab onto the fence and he kind of just lay, stayed there until he was rescued by maintenance workers. The following day, Bogdan's body was found wedged between some set rocks near the centre island. That one is just tragic for so many different reasons. Firstly, that boy was 18, like, so young. Secondly, it's so silly. Like, it could have been so easily prevented. I think water's kind of like that. Like, it's very misleading. People tend to think that, you know, oh, I can swim and it's fine, but it's it's not. Like, when you take into consideration tides and currents and stuff like that, it's, it's, it's actually very dangerous to just get into a body of water that you're not familiar with. The next one is a very famous one, and it took place on June 18th, 1974. There was an attraction at the park called Carousel of Progress and it was completely redesigned and renamed America Sings. The concept of the ride was that it was a musical extravaganza celebrating the musical history of America. The ride itself had six moving stages with one central stage connecting them all. The stages would rotate in sequence into different rooms so it was kind of like six different theatres. And there was a sequence uh, to this rotation that all cast members were kind of familiar with. But when the refurb happened, that sequence completely changed. During the show, a cast member would also be standing at the left side of each stage to kind of wave at the the audience at the beginning and the end of the show. Just as like a nice wee happy whatever. At 10.30pm on June 18th, Debbie Stone was coming to the end of her shift on America Sings. When the show finished, the stages were moving back to their starting positions during the interval in time for the next show when one of the guests in an adjacent theatre heard a horrifying scream. 
The guests rushed to see what had happened, but ride operators were already there, and he saw that Debbie Stone had actually been crushed between the walls of the two theatres. There isn't a clear reason for this tragic death, it could have been a bunch of different scenarios, so it's basically just pick one. But what makes it so heartbreaking is that Debbie was such like a loved person in her community, in her school, like she was just one of those people that lights up a room when they walk into a room essentially. And just before her shift that day, she had called her mum and dad and she had asked for their permission to get engaged to her long-term boyfriend and they agreed and they were very, very happy for her. So she went into that shift completely over the moon, um, happy, uh, thinking about the rest of her life and then obviously was involved in a very tragic accident that took her life. And that's just, that. those kind of things make me sad. There were a lot of safety measures put in place after Debbie's death to make sure that this never happened to another cast member. There were various motion lights put in place, breakaway walls were put in. The attraction was also closed for two days and the stage that Debbie died on was closed for a year out of respect. So yeah, that's a sad one. In 1979, a woman named Cheryl Ann Hoffman and her family were waiting in line to ride Space Mountain. Outside of the ride were several warnings advising people with pre-existing medical conditions not to ride the ride. Cheryl was one of those people who had pre-existing medical conditions, but she was on holiday, she was enjoying herself, and she got on the ride. As the ride carriage set off, Cheryl became very ill. So ill that when the carriage pulled into the unloading bay, she wasn't able to get off the ride. Instead of helping the poor woman off the ride... She was sent around the ride one more time and was fully unconscious at this point. But when she pulled back into the unloading bay, but this time cast members were able to get her out of the ride carriage and get her to a hospital. While at the hospital, Cheryl fell into a coma and after a week she died. An autopsy discovered that Cheryl had a tumour in her heart and the jumping around on the ride dislodged it, causing it to travel to her brain and then killed her. A wrongful death suit was filed by Cheryl's family against the park, but it was thrown out due to Cheryl not following medical advice. Which, oh, this is a this 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 is a conflicting one for me because I have several medical conditions. I suffer from an autoimmune disease, um, which has an list the long as my arm uh, symptoms. And some of those symptoms are on, you know how those boards you see before you go into rides and it's like if you have a bad back, if you're pregnant, all these different things, don't ride. A few of mine are on there but they're very minor things, they're not They're not like fatal things. But then you read something like that and you're like, should I genuinely be not riding that ride? Should I be very vigilant to these things? Because I have went on every ride in a theme park and nothing bad has happened to me but it just made me think... Um, should those, like, really, really should those be taken very, very seriously? Obviously, they're there for a reason. It is for the park's liability if something does happen to you on the ride. Yeah, it just got me thinking a wee bit, that one. Now, the last one from Disneyland, and the reason I'm telling you this one is because I had an experience on the same ride, which I'll tell you about once I've finished telling you about this horrible story. But in 2000, 23-year-old Christina Moreno was at the park with friends and after riding Indiana Jones Adventure, complained of severe headaches and the feeling that her head was rolling around. Thinking nothing of it, they went home to their hotel for the night where Christina became very ill and was taken to a nearby hospital. They carried out various tests and they found that she actually had a brain hemorrhage. She dropped out of consciousness 
and had to be taken back to Spain via air ambulance, but she never woke up and she died in September of that year. So again, another very tragic, crazy thing. Um, Like, what are the chances of that happening to somebody? Um, But the reason I picked this one was because that ride, that Indiana Jones ride, I've actually been on that ride and my head got through about so bad on that ride that when I came off, I'd actually ruptured my eardrum and I couldn't get it, like, properly seen to it I came back um, to Scotland, to my own doctor and I have ruptured my eardrum in my left ear and I have permanent uh, chronic tinnitus. Is that how you say that, tinnitus? So I just have a constant ringing in my left ear, like at all times, it doesn't matter what I do, it doesn't matter, it's just constantly there. And it was from riding that ride. It's brutal. It's honestly horrible. Your head gets through a bit so bad. And it's like the the bits that's meant to be there to protect your head are very, very hard. They're made of a really sturdy material. So yeah, I ruptured my left eardrum. Um, so when I read that, I was kind of like, now this is one that was very wildly covered in the media. I actually remember seeing this on the news here in Scotland, although it wasn't really well covered, so it was very confusing, the whole thing. In June of 2016, a family who were vacationing at the Grand Floridian Resort were sitting outside enjoying an open-air movie at the hotel. Both their two-year-old son and their four-year-old daughter were playing by the shoreline at the resort's lake. There were signs around the lake warning not to swim or play in the water, but the kids were wading. They only had their ankles in. They were just having fun. Out of nowhere, the parents heard a splashing sound, and when they went to investigate, they found their two-year-old son being dragged into the water by an alligator. The father did try to rescue his son and wrestled with the alligator, but he was just unable to get it to let go, and it slipped into the lake with the wee boy. The next day, a full search was conducted in the lake with several alligators being killed and the boy's body was retrieved intact, not far from where he was snatched. After the incident, the lake was more clearly signposted and alligator warnings were added to stop people just going near the water in general. That one, that was covered in the media here because they never covered it very well and they kind of gave this impression that there was foul play involved, like... You know, like Madeline McCann, like everybody knows about Madeline McCann. Like there was obviously negligence there, um, with her being left on her own and stuff. They kinda tried to do the same thing with this, where it was like they were trying to insinuate that something really bad had happened to this kid and that the parents were blaming it on an alligator as if it never happened. Um, you know what I mean? There was witnesses that seen it happen. They killed like five alligators in the lake and the wee boy's body was found. It's not like it- it's not like he's still missing. But yeah, I remember it because it was like, everybody was talking about it at work and they were like, um, what do you think happened? Do you think the parents did this? And it's like, well, it just wasn't very well covered. But yeah, I remember that one for sure. In September of 2003, a 22-year-old Marcelo Torres was riding Big Thunder Mountain. Great ride. Lots of fun. I love the ride. Um, but if you've ever been on Big Thunder Mountain you'll know that the carriages are like a train. It's supposed to be like a runaway train kind of thing. And Marcelo was actually in the front carriage, which in front of him is the front of the train. So it's like an old school steam train kind of thing. But when the ride, during the ride, became very unstable and that cart that was in front of him came off the rails. And when it came off the rails, it hit the tunnel just above them. But Marcelo's carriage kept going and that front carriage came down and landed on top of him. Marcelo was taken to hospital immediately, where he was treated for uh, fractured ribs. 
Unfortunately, his fractured ribs had punctured his lungs and he bled out. He died later of these injuries. A full investigation was, of course, carried out and it was found to be a mechanical failure with the train, which obviously caused it to come off the rails and hit the tunnel. The only difference in this one is a court ruled that Disney was at fault and that the park had failed to maintain the vehicles to the proper standard and that the appropriate safety measures had not been installed. The staff also hadn't been trained to a high enough standard in their eyes and the park was fined. So a wee bit of, a wee bit of justice here, you know, a wee bit of justice here. So I'm going to talk a wee bit about uh, a wee bit something a wee bit darker. Um, I'm going to be talking about suicide. I'm going to be talking about murders. So if those kind of things aren't your thing, just stop listening. Um, I don't want to upset anybody. When I was looking into deaths at Disney, I kept seeing suicides, and there've actually been three suicides at the Mickey and Friends parking structure. Um, one was a forty-year-old man in two thousand sixteen a 23-year-old in 2012 and a 61-year-old man in 2010 who actually left behind a suicide note that just said personal issues. All three of the men jumped from the parking structure at the exact same spot, at the exact same height. And it's the same with the Disneyland. It's the same with the Disneyland Hotel. There have been three suicides there. One man in 1994 who was 75 years old a 23-year-old man in 1996 and a 48-year-old man in 2008. Again, all three jumped from balconies at various different heights in the building. Now, in September of 1992, a 37-year-old man entered Epcot after closing hours and pointed a shotgun at three security guards, demanding to see his ex-girlfriend who actually worked there. He fired four blasts at the guards and took two guards hostage in a restroom near the Journey into Imagination Pavilion. When Orange County Sheriff's deputies surrounded the area, the shooter released his hostages and emerged with the shotgun held to his chest. After exchanging a few words with the deputies, he put the gun to his head and he fired. Investigators attributed his actions to a recent breakup with his long-term girlfriend. Now, that is something I've never heard about at Disney. I know that's not particularly a nice subject to talk about, but I've just never heard about suicides at Disney. And that goes for murders as well. But in March 1987, a 15-year-old boy was fatally shot in the Disneyland parking lot. The incident began as a confrontation between rival gang members before escalating into a very serious fight. An 18-year-old was convicted of second-degree murder, but the conviction was subsequently overturned by a state court. Now, in March in 1981, an 18-year-old man was fatally stabbed with a knife during a fight with a 28-year-old man after the victim supposedly pinched the man's girlfriend in Tomorrowland. His family sued the park for $60 million and Disney settled for $600,000 due to negligence for not summoning outside medical help quicker. First of all, how did somebody get a knife into Disneyland? Because, again, if you've been to Disneyland, you'll know you have to go through metal detectors, you have to do all this stuff, you have to put your bag on the thing, it goes through the x-ray machine. So how did somebody get a knife into Disneyland? That's insane. Now that is all I'm going to talk about for today. Um, I do have a lot more that I could tell you about. I have a list of deaths that have happened um, at these parks. I just don't want to talk about too many of them all in one go because it's very, very sad and it's quite depressing, honestly. Um, I don't want to feel like I'm shitting on Disney either. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just 
talking about things that I find fascinating and I'm trying to be as respectful as possible doing that. But yeah, let me know how you feel about that. This isn't me being biased either because when I looked into this specific thing, I was honestly gobsmacked by how many people have died at Disney. I wasn't aware that that many people had suffered, had died and that had suffered so many like literal life-changing injuries. When I was doing that, I did check other theme parks like Universal and stuff like that just to see if the death rate is the same and it is nowhere near what it is at Disney. Now, given Disney is a lot older, it's a lot bigger, it has a lot more locations and stuff, but yeah, I was astounded by how many people have died at Disney that you never hear about really. But yes, I'm going to stop talking now and I'm going to go and watch something happy because it's that's thoroughly depressed me. I hope that everyone enjoyed it. Please let me know how you feel about it. You can let me know if you'd like me to do a part two. I do have a lot more that I could talk about. And yeah, I hope everyone has a nice week. I'll see you all in the next one. Stay weird. Stay scared. Bye folks. Bye folks.